Fresh out the oven, it's Cinema Bums. I'm Wade. And I'm Emmett. Cinema Bums is a podcast where we watch through every single movie in popular film franchises, one each week to try and track how the storytelling changes over time. Today we are continuing our miniseries X23 about Fox's X-Men films. We will fully spoil today's film, but we will not spoil any future entries in the series. We have not seen, neither of us have seen any future entries in the series after this. Yeah, I hadn't seen this one until today. Yeah, so this is your first new movie, and this is my last old movie. Yeah. Uh, Emmett, how are you doing? I'm doing just great. Uh, And I would like to take this moment to formally announce, Cinema Bums will never die until we have watched every movie ever (laughs) made. The podcast or us as individuals? Probably it's going to have to be the podcast because we, in fact, would be dead before that would be possible, but forever. Okay, so you want to introduce our uh, Yes, I'm doing good. Thank you for asking. Uh, Particularly because today we are honored to have a special guest. She's a musician, actress, and makeup artist, perhaps best known to our audience for her screenwriting credits on Barbie in the Nutcracker, Barbie as Rapunzel, Barbie of Swan Lake, Barbie as the Princess and the Pauper, Barbie Fairytopia, Barbie and the Magic of Pegasus, Barbie Fairytopia Mermaidia, The Barbie Diaries, Barbie and the Twelve Dancing Princesses, Barbie Fairytopia Magic of the Rainbow, Barbie as the Island Princess, Barbie Mariposa, Barbie and the Diamond Castle, and Barbie in a Christmas Carol, please welcome Laura Bennett. <laughs> Hello. Woo! I love the Barbie movies, and I think you guys should do that as a series. There's like 30 of them. There is a lot of them. I had a Barbie Swan Lake birthday party when I was younger. Wow. It was great. I gave everybody crowns. Did you watch the movie at the party? No. Did you act out the... It was an ice skating birthday party, but it also had a Barbie Swan Lake theme wow. unrelated to the ice skating. Those are, I think, just the ones that came out in the 90s. I think I stopped at the thousands. Damn. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a whole there's YouTube like channel where you can watch all of them. They have them all online? Yeah, I'll plug them at the end of the episode. So if you want to know what that is, you have to listen to the whole episode. <laughs> where people can find you online is on the Barbie movies for free, watch free online. No, that's not where they can find YouTube me. That's just channel. where they can find happiness, general happiness. <laughs> Laura, what is your previous experience? Um, you know, I've seen a few of them, but I've seen clips of most of them just on the FX channel growing up mm-hmm. when there was nothing else on. They would always be on TV. There would always be one of them on TV, and I have no idea which ones were which. Mm-hmm. And then I have <laughs> seen a few in the last few weeks because I love to support my roommates in their endeavors. Um, so I have sat down and watched a few with you guys. Mm-hmm. And this one. How I also your... watched this one. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> you did watch this one. But how has your experience been with the uh, previous ones that you've caught with us? What have you been thinking I about? I actually, this? I was grateful to have seen Logan. Uh-huh. I thought I had seen Logan. Then I realized I hadn't because I didn't know Wolverine died. <laughs> and I was like, wait, I have not seen this movie. And I'm actually grateful that I've seen Logan because I think there are some parallels mm. in this movie. What's the other one? I this watched? movie starts with a figurine. Well, Deadpool, I watched the first Deadpool. I, oh, yeah. I watched the first Deadpool. Not a fan. Um, and I watched that one. Uh, that first class. First class. That everyone loved. It was pretty good. Yeah. 
I love the bromance. Okay, today we are talking about Deadpool 2. This movie is directed by David Leach, director whose work I really enjoy. Did not direct the first one. Uh, so this guy was a stuntman. He was one of Keanu Reeves' stuntmen on The Matrix, him and Chad Strahowski, who went on to direct. It was both of their... They were stuntmen for a really long time. He also um, won some awards for The Bourne Ultimatum. But they directed John Wick together, which was both of their directorial debuts. And then they split up. So Chad Strahowski directed John Wick 2 and 3. And David Leach directed... A film I adore, Atomic Blonde, mm-hmm. yes, in 2017. Then this movie, and then Hobbs and Shaw in 2019. Another film I love. Haven't seen that one. It's uh, one of the but. Fast and Furious. I thought that this. There were points of this movie that felt very Fast and Furious to mm-hmm. me, mm-hmm. much more than like X Men. I felt they were particularly like the the ending battle yeah it it seems like everybody's superpower in this is that they can punch hard and fight good (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh his next movie is is an original new action movie called bullet train that's set entirely on a japanese bullet train presumably a remake of the wolverine can i read you guys the cast for this yes please and let me reiterate that it's an original action movie something that doesn't happen very often brad pitt Joey King from Netflix's The Kissing Booth, Andrew Koji, Aaron Taylor Johnson, Brian Tyree Henry, Zazie Beetz, also in this movie, Michael Shannon, Logan Lerman, Bad Bunny, and Lady Gaga. Queen. What the? All on a bullet train trying to kill each other. That sounds, I, was, I was on board. Then you said Lady Gaga, and I'll watch it many times now. I'm so That's excited. crazy. That's what he made after this movie. That's what he's making right now. Oh, what he's making right so now. It's, uh, so it's what he made after Hobbs and Shaw. Oh. He made Hobbs and Shaw after this, which features a couple people from this. Yeah, and I was just going to say that Atomic Blonde has the Nicholas Holt and the... No, not the Nicholas Holt. The Bill, Bill Skarsgård and the James McAvoy connection. Oh, you're right. James McAvoy to the previous X-Men and Bill Skarsgård, who is briefly in this as Vomit Boy. It also has the Eddie Marsden guy. Uh-huh. who also goes on to be in Hobbs teacher. and Shaw. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, he is in Hobbs and Shaw. Rob Delaney, who's Peter, the regular guy in this, mm-hmm. is also in Hobbs and Shaw. Oh, wow. Also, of course, Ryan Reynolds is in Hobbs and Shaw. Mm. Is he really? If you remember, he's one... Who does he play in this like, movie? Hmm? Who does he play in this movie? He plays <laughs> himself in this movie. That's true. It was written by Rhett Reese, Paul Wernick, and Ryan Reynolds. The same two guys as the original, plus Ryan Reynolds, who got a writing mm. credit on this. Music by Tyler Bates, who also did the music for John Wick. Junkie XL, who did the music for Deadpool, wouldn't mm. come back when the first director didn't. This film runs two hours, has a budget of $110 million, which means that it needed to make $220 million to break even. Made $785 million. <laughs> That's crazy. So the things to note here, this budget was almost double that of the first, which you can see in some ways and not others. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like the scale is much bigger, but the CGI is much worse. Yeah. This is the highest grossing film in the entire X-Men series. This is the most seen movie in the entire X-Men series. Like the first one, it was the highest grossing R-rated movie at the time of its release. It is now the second highest following Joker. Damn. 
Uh, it got a 66 on Metacritic compared to the original 65. It was generally positive reviews uh, in comparison to the first, although there were several concerns about tone. Just have a couple... Um, <laughs> <laughs> a couple what possible concerns about Dune could you have in that movie? A <laughs> couple of things to uh, highlight here. A.O. Scott of the New York Times wrote, Deadpool 2 dabbles in ugliness and transgression, but takes no real creative risks. A.O. Scott. A. <laughs> <laughs> uh, David Edelstein of Vulture, whose writing I always enjoy reading, even if I don't always agree with it, wrote, a superhero movie with the looseness of a Mad Magazine parody remains a viable idea, as demonstrated by the underrated Mystery Men and, of course, Deadpool. But a film that spits one-liners as mechanically as a tennis ball launcher is even more tediously predictable than one with no sense of humor at all. Wow. It was released May 18th, 2018, three weeks after Infinity War, also starring Josh Brolin, and one week before Solo, A Star Wars Story, this movie is generally regarded as the reason that Solo, A Star Wars Story had a poor box office performance. Wow. 2018? Emmett? What other movies came out in 2018? Well, it's funny you say this about Solo because it's crazy to me that a Star Wars film lost out to the other Marvel like franchise like that's not the MCU. Mm. It's crazy that they lost out to them. And they're because they're not on this top ten list. So let me let me tell you: Avengers: Infinity War, number one, obviously. Yep. Black Panther, number two. Mm. Jurassic World, two. Fallen Kingdom, number three. Wow, that's yeah. surprising to me. This is we are we are always talking all international here. So yeah. That like you figure that in. I really enjoy that movie, but I feel like I've never talked to anyone who has also seen it. I <laughs> have seen it, and still I have not seen it. <laughs> Um, the number four spot goes to Incredibles 2. Oh, wow. That was good. Number five spot goes to Aquaman. Wow. Number six, our boy, the baddie <laughs> with a lot of baggage. I'm worried. <laughs> Mr. BS himself, old Brian's last stand. <laughs> oh, no. Bohemian Rhapsody oh, comes in at number God. six. Yikes. Wow. I maybe would rather watch this movie than Bohemian Rhapsody again. That's people are gonna something. People are going to come for you for that one. I have never seen Bohemian Rhapsody. It's, it's a trip. The best part of it was Rami Malek's performance. He okay. was incredible. Oh. Everything else, not incredible. A lot of people in the Academy. <laughs> yeah. Agree I with am you the about Academy. The, oh, yeah. it's, it's such a pleasure to, pleasure to meet you. I'm starstruck now. <laughs> Uh, sorry, <laughs> allow me to continue. Okay. Uh, number seven, Venom. <laughs> well, Emmett, really, really to the Academy's face, you've been talking so much smack <laughs> all these weeks. You've been saying cancel the Academy, no, and now you've come face to face, and you're speechless. <laughs> Star stricken. <laughs> number seven, Venom. A little Tom Brady hit. <sighs> Tom. Tom, <laughs> Tom Brady? Brady. I was, I was like, what? Uh, Tom Hardy? A little Tom Hardy vehicle called Venom. I hope Wade edits that out. Uh, <laughs> Mission Impossible. I don't even know what number. Fallout. Ooh, what? so good. Yeah, yeah, it's good. I what? think the best action movie since Mad Max Fury Road. Oh, well, wow. but what, what number is it? Can you enlighten six us? Six? Six? Or seven. Wow. I think six. 
They should just put the number in the title. It would be really helpful. It would be helpful. I don't. That's the Henry Cavill one. I do. I do remember. (laughs) (laughs) I do remember now. That did bring back a memory. (laughs) The uh, number nine, taking up that old X-Men slot, is Deadpool 2. Number nine, baby. Consistently win this series places in the top ten. It places at number nine. Wow, that's interesting. (laughs) Number nine. Number nine. Uh, and in the number 10 spot, Fantastic Beats and Where to Find Them. Part 2, The Crimes of Johnny Depp. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there are many. Some things age better than others. Uh, the best film that year. Well, not the best film. <laughs> the movie that the Academy Awards that you, that Miss I, Award. The Academy. Um, picked that year. I think you have to answer for this now. Uh-oh. It's time to have I don't, some I don't healing remember. over this choice that you made. Green Book for Best Picture. Oh, no. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean it. Um, <laughs> I didn't mean that. But they, didn't, they didn't deserve that. On the other hand, Alfonso Cuaron for uh, Roma wins Best Director. Uh, your boy Rami Malek mm-hmm. wins for Bohemian Rhapsody. Yep. And Best <laughs> Actress... Olivia Colvin in The Favorite. Wow. A movie that we watched sometime in the last 12 months, it feels like. Have either of you seen the clip from this year's Oscars where they announce that it's Green Book and Spike Lee stands up and walks out of the Good. Auditorium? Have you guys seen that? No, I haven't. I watched I that haven't. on a plane ride. It was uh, not great. Laura, Deadpool 2, flop or bomb? Oh, boy. I hope I don't regret this. I do a little already before it's even out of my mouth, but I'm going to say it's a bop. It's just barely a bop, but it is a bop. All right. <laughs> and then Deadpool 2, flop or bop? It's a bop. <laughs> Said with confidence, and I can respect that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's it's like, it's watchable. Once again, a watchable movie in this <laughs> franchise comes across as a pure miracle. <laughs> So, Wade, <laughs> flop or bop? Uh, flop. I think this movie is completely worthless. <laughs> um, and I say that not from a place of animosity. I'm not here to trash the movie. Sure. I don't feel the like personal sting of hatred that uh-huh. I felt with X-Men The Last Stand, uh-huh. um, which is the th- this movie's equal in the franchise, I think. Wow. This is just a movie that, like, like what on earth, what value could I possibly have found in it? <laughs> Like, this was a movie made to make money and for no other purpose. It's, it is, it's like, to that point, let me just say, <laughs> it is an entertaining, it's like, social document of just what corporations thought <laughs> people thought was funny in 2018. Yes. Oh, yeah. And in that way, it is, like, fascinating. It's like, <laughs> it's a cultural text that yeah. will have to be unpacked. For decades. Um, yeah, this is like Fortnite the movie. To be honest, though, like some of the references I yeah. love. Yeah. Like they nailed yeah. it. And some I'm like, no, I don't like that. <laughs> but like they mention Babs, you know, Barbara Streisand. They mentioned my favorite mo- movie, Cool Runnings. Hmm. Um, they're playing some nine to five up in there. Like, yeah, they're, yeah, there's some, yeah, there's some great things in there that I like. He makes a joke about George Bush saying mission accomplished (laughs) in the first month of the Iraq war, which I'm always here for. Do you like this movie or the first one better? I prefer this one. Did Mm -hmm. not like the first one. 
at all. At all. And I really didn't think I was going to like this one. Uh, I've seen it once before in theaters. I absolutely hated it. Completely blocked it from my memory. I don't know what changed. Mm. <laughs> but it seems that my sense of humor has devolved. I wrote that in my notes. So <laughs> it's It's weird because like... I enjoyed watching this one more because it's like more palatable, mm-hmm. which it's probably a worse movie. Like it's probably <laughs> like not as much of like a pure director's vision of like what they wanted it to be as the first one is, but it's like also just like kind of like a Hellboy replay on fast forward. And I really like Hellboy. <laughs> so I'm like, <laughs> Okay, cool. And it I don't know. It's it's got some some good action, got some good mm-hmm. moments. I'd say better. It's tough for me. It really is tough because I think that this one is objectively more watchable. Mm-hmm. Like the pacing is so much better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The action is a lot cooler and easier to watch. Like it is still horrible to behold, but yeah. I feel like they've sanded over some of like the highlighting the rough edges. Yeah. The thing that I like about the first one, which I really just like a lot more on paper than actually watching it, but I do genuinely like the love story between them in the first one. And I like like how small that movie is mm-hmm. and how grounded it really is in that. I think this one is a lot easier to watch but i think i would probably rather watch the first one just because that it does have something that i like connect to and root for in it yeah you don't root for russell being adopted by deadpool in this movie because that's (laughs) what i want it to happen i mean it kind of happens it does kind of feel like they're missing like that last like you get the last moment between him you want them to uh, you want him to adopt him Mm -hmm. that's what you want you just mentioned Julian Dennison, who's playing Russell in this yes. movie. Anyone who hasn't seen uh, Taika Waititi's Hunt for the Wilder People should go out and watch it right now. He's unbelievably good in it, and it's just a classic. Yeah, it's an incredible movie. A classic family comedy adventure movie that I truly think anyone alive would enjoy. He's so good in this. Yeah, he kills yeah. it. He's so good. It actually reminded me just like, in the smallest way, Hunt for the Wilder People. And I don't know if that's because it was him, but there's kind of a dynamic of him on this adventure with this guy who's much older than him and mm-hmm. he's trying to build that relationship, which is kind of what Hunt for the Wilder People is about, which is maybe why they wanted him for this movie. Oh, another movie I would recommend if you watch this is Looper, Ryan Johnson's Looper. Yeah, it fe- felt to me a lot like Looper in the middle there. When he's yeah. like, I'm coming back in time to kill him when he's a kid. And he even has like the similar power. Yeah, and it's also because they like killed his wife and daughter. Mm-hmm. The whole cable plotline is like cribbed from Looper. But that's another like dreamy, exciting movie I would recommend watching. Yeah. Can I talk about cable for a second? Please. Okay, so you asked uh, me... Played by... Played by Josh Brolin. Josh Brolin. Is he Thanos? He is. Uh, he is. They make that joke. Didn't get it, but now I get it. <laughs> <laughs> good year for him. Yeah, it good is a good, good year month for him. For him. Good month yeah. for him. He's, he's made so much money. <laughs> Man, and there's only slightly less CGI used on him in this <laughs> movie, but it looks a lot worse. It looks horrible. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So here's the deal about Cable from the comics. He was created in 1990 by Luis Simonson and Rob Liefeld. Rob Liefeld, also the creator of Deadpool. Oh. His real name is Nathan Christopher Charles Summers. 
He is a future baby of Scott Summers and a woman named Madeline Pryor. You might be asking yourself, who's this Madeline Pryor hussy stealing in on old Jean Grey's man? Oh, it's none other than Jean Grey's clone. (laughs) So that makes it okay. Oh, no. Uh, (laughs) So when he was born, circa like right now, he was infected with a deadly techno-organic virus which just happens sometimes. And so then his parents were like, we better save this baby. So they transported him into a future timeline where he could be healed. But then he grew up there. Some For some reason, he didn't come back like right after being healed. So he grew up there and became a warrior against Apocalypse. Eventually, he gives up on that game. And he comes back to slightly before when he was born. And, like, teams up with the X-Men, the New Mutants, and eventually forms X-Force, which we kind of see happen in this movie in an ironic way. But Mm. he really, like, in the comics, he really does found X-Force with another mutant. And they go on to have lots of adventures. He's, like, essential to a bunch of, like, the timeline jumping that happens across Mm. a lot of this stuff. And not just for the X-Men and, like, X-Men-related titles, but also, like, he's kind of a hinge point for how... Like the X Men end up fighting the Avengers in one of the big like crossover event comics. There, like he's important in all of that stuff, and has like multiple reality versions of him. You know, he's always doing like crazy stuff, and is essentially one of the most powerful characters. He has like telekinetic powers that his mom had. Basically, an OP badass, and turns into a best friend of Deadpool for a while in the comics. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. And That's they had sweet. a whole comic title together for a long time. Aww. How do we feel about Cable in this movie? Um, I think his suit does not fit him well. I wrote that in my notes. First shot of it, just a little baggy. Oh, Fitting yeah. him in weird places. Uh-huh. Um, also, he looks like a video game character, and it's not very convincing. Yeah, that one shot of him with the homeless people is the only shot where it doesn't look like everything other than his face is CGI. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's not good. Yeah, it's it bad. does look weird all the time. <laughs> Very bad. And like him having the glowing eye, he really does look like halfway through the the like Terminator when he's like half his face is blown off and like half his body is all torn up. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One more thing about Cable, sorry, before we close on him, I have this note written down that I thought was important. There is a part in one of the uh, comics where Cable beats up in one day, he defeats Captain America, Falcon, (laughs) Red Hulk, and Iron Man. Someone's got to do it. (laughs) That's a good day. (laughs) Yeah, that's all. Wow. He's my hero for that. Yeah. I I have nothing against those guys, but like, if you're doing that all in one day... That's more than I do in a week, (laughs) quite frankly. (laughs) Laura, you said you saw some comparisons between this and Logan. I did, I did. This movie starts with a little toy of the end of Logan. (laughs) It's incredible. (laughs) I I figured out this parallel one in the final scene, obviously, when Russell is next to Deadpool as he's dying. And I was like, oh my gosh. Light bulb. That's a Despicable Me reference. Um, I should have said it in a German accent, to be clear. Okay, you get one chance. Light the bulb. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> um, I was like, oh, this is just like the end of Logan. 
I think that Russell and Laura would be really good friends. I think that'd be really sweet uh, spinoff series. Yeah. Wouldn't it be so sweet? I would love to see it. Yeah, it'd be good. But they have very similar, like, no family. Mm-hmm. And then they find this kind of, like, bitter, angry person who has similar powers and they, like, relate. And then they watch them die. But luckily for Russell, he comes back, so. I also think it's interesting you bring that up because they have no compunction in Logan about Laura killing people. And this whole movie is like, if this kid kills one person, he's down the dark path forever. And Laura beheads five men in the first two minutes. She was just too far gone at the beginning already. They were just like, well, guess we'll have to work with this. Yeah, it reminded me a lot of Days of Future Past with like all the effort to stop someone from making their first kill. Oh, yeah. So like go back in time and stop her from doing the thing that sends them down the dark path. That's interesting. That long dramatic death was like truly so painful. Have you guys seen um, Shrek 2? I have. Do you guys remember the scene um, where Fiona's frog dad is dying? Well, he does a very similar thing (laughs) that Ryan Reynolds does in this movie. It's like, I'm dead. I'm alive, but I'm dead. And he comes back (laughs) multiple times. And it's it's honestly a bit funnier in Shrek 2 than when Ryan Reynolds does it. I didn't really (laughs) laugh, but I definitely laughed in Shrek 2 when it happened. I just think uh, you guys should watch that scene because it's a really good one. And I think he does it better. <laughs> I think the animated frog dad does it better. <laughs> but I, it's it's a great, great masterpiece. How did we feel about Ryan Reynolds in this? Same as the first one? Any differences? How do we feel about the performance? I feel like his performance was pretty similar. I feel like what I noticed is that this movie definitely takes away a lot of his hot creds. Like, he's hot, hot. But not in this movie. <laughs> Obviously, like, his face is messed up, but, like, his humor and like this whole character just makes Ryan Reynolds not hot. Going on the not hot list there, Ryan Reynolds. And you know, it's really hard to put yourself on that list after you were in the proposal with Sandra Bullock. You guys seen that movie? No. no. It's really good. And he's hot in it, but he's not hot anymore. And that's because of Deadpool. Wow. Blacklisted by the Academy there. <laughs> wow. Incredible. He will not be getting the Academy Award for hottest. <laughs> I feel like this character is who he is or at least who he has become because now he like only plays Deadpool and other things (laughs) like in Detective Pikachu, which is a more interesting movie than I think people talk about or in the upcoming free guy. Like those are him like playing the Deadpool type character. He does all these ads for like whiskey where he's playing like the Deadpool type wisecracking. He did that thing where he like launched the streaming service where it was like only one of his old rom-coms. Wow, he's just a wisecracking old <laughs> old merc with a mouth. Can I get into the behind the scenes Oh, drama? please, yes. Please, Let's please, please. The tea I have in this movie. I okay. can't wait. Is unbelievable. I'm thirsty. Let's start at the beginning. <laughs> please cut that out. <laughs> Put in this instead. Girls. I'm parched. <laughs> for some tea. Your faith in my editing ability is incredible. <laughs> A sequel involving Cable was greenlit by the release of the first film, as we uh, heard in the post credit scene of the first film. Ryan Reynolds was given creative control of this film and creative control of casting, and he clashed with the director of the original film, Tim Miller, who was originally supposed to return along with the whole rest of the team, the writers and Ryan Reynolds. 
Tim Miller reportedly wanted more stylized action in the sequel, while Ryan Reynolds wanted more comedy. Tim Miller also wanted to cast Kyle Chandler of Game Night and Friday Night Lights as Cable. This guy. That'd be oh. interesting. That'd be really weird. Oh. Yeah. What a Chet Manley. <laughs> <laughs> so Fox sided with Reynolds and Tim left. He denied some of the reports about the clash. All Ryan Reynolds ever said was that he was sad to see him go and that nobody worked harder on the first movie than him. The things that we have heard about Tim Miller's take, there was no Vanessa death. She was going to live and she was going to become uh, the superhero she becomes in the comics, which is Copycat. What? The movie was going to be about them as a superhero couple. Oh, dang. That sounds good. And it was going to end with a fight between Juggernaut and The Thing from the Fantastic Four, uh, which was all part of this thing that we've been talking about that they were trying to build to, Mm -hmm. this event movie that was going to be Deadpool and the X-Men and the Fantastic Four all teaming up in a big Avenger-style movie that was going to be started here with this one. He left and he went on to direct the TV show Love and Robots and the last Terminator movie, Dark Fate. I've seen a few of those Love and Robots uh, episodes. What'd you think? They're pretty good. Very interesting. They're all like separate from one another. Mm -hmm. They're just like cute. Also sometimes sad. Little robot stories. Uh, So Ryan Reynolds then had pick over the director. He picked Leech because of his experience making a low budget film look good Mm -hmm. in John Wick. The writing team for this movie, which was the original two writers plus Ryan Reynolds, split the movie into thirds and then they each wrote scenes. And then they rewrote them as a group. Hmm. I think that's like a little bit clear. Like you can kind of see three separate things happening. So there's at the the third part with like the team that he gathers. Yeah. There's like the beginning. I feel like the beginning up to the prison scene, then the prison scene and all that is like three separate strands of movie going on almost. Like they do connect, obviously. But that seems like where there are maybe three separate ideas of this kind of movie. Yeah, it's really clear three acts in this. Yeah, for sure. And they're almost evenly split. Like, they're almost down to the minute, 45 minutes each. And I did like a lot of the first act. And for me, it was like the when Cable gets to the prison was the point where I was not on board with the movie anymore. Mm. But, like, especially, I think even, like, the first 15 minutes, I was, like, really into. Especially after watching the last one. Uh, The writers wanted to focus more on X-Force, But Ryan Reynolds wanted to focus on the kid aspect and he wanted to try and make it a family movie like how the first one was a love story. Leach wanted to focus on Cable's history. Mm -hmm. He shot a scene uh, showing that he was Cyclops' son, Mm -hmm. which the writers cut because they thought that it was too convoluted. It sounds like from your report it is fairly convoluted. convoluted. Mm. I had forgotten this. The Disney-Fox merger... Began in December 2017. Damn. It took them three years to finish that thing, which I guess makes sense for like the biggest corporations on earth to become one corporation. Yeah. But it started in December 2017, which is why the writers included so many jokes about the MCU and about Marvel Studios properties Uh in this. They had to cut a joke that was directly addressing the merger. Because they thought that it might affect the outcome of it. 
There was also a clash on the first film between Tim Miller and the writers. Tim Miller thought that all the jokes should be universal, that people shouldn't be left out of any of the jokes, and so would push up against them for writing anything that he thought was too obscure of a reference. Mm -hmm. There actually is a list of a couple. I think one was to a golf player. There is like a list of some of the jokes he cut out of the first one because they were like too obscure. Mm -hmm. But in this one, they just had carte blanche to go wild. And they said that they were trying to write so that only certain people would get each joke. I feel like they scaled back a little bit on the inventive swearing. Mm. There's still some of it. Like there was less of that, which is like more like the in your face Deadpool thing. He only teabagged somebody once in this movie instead of several times in the first scene. I, I felt like the jokes were a little bit more wordy and like arrested development style jokes you know and not all of them worked and not all of them were as smart or like as long run like you know that show has like long running time to build up the moment i felt like it was that in that world of what they were at least trying for i feel like i was certainly laughing more in this movie than i was in the first so maybe they worked more for me but in that last fight there's a lot of really, really bad jokes, almost in the style of the first movie, just kind of too far. A lot of like butt jokes, a lot of mm-hmm. like dirty mm-hmm. jokes that don't work. And I think it really, I don't know, that was like, I really noticed those jokes in the final scene, that big fight scene. I felt like it was taking away mm-hmm. a lot from that scene. I mean, that's his whole shtick, right? That he talks too much, but I just, it was too much um, in that final scene. But I definitely did laugh more in this movie, so... I also laughed more. I think there are a lot more jokes, but I do think that they're just a lot more hollow in this one. Like I do enjoy the situational comedy of the first one Mm -hmm. where it's kind of generated from the people around him and the situations he's in. And I don't really care for, especially just like all the hollow references to other superhero movies, which are like constant in this. This is kind of my thing about both of them is that I feel like they're just pretty hollow when you take out the jokes. Mm. Like, they're not an actual satire of a superhero movie. I don't know if they're trying to do that. You would need a much bigger budget and much stronger, bolder intentions to actually do one of those, you know? And so I feel like when you take out the jokes, it's just tropes that you've seen in so many other movies. And they're not done better here i mean i think it cribs heavily from other movies all the time yeah i mean they lampshade so much in this movie and it was annoying but they did get me with a that's just ladies lazy writing joke (laughs) i thought the scoutmaster kevin joke wow like wildly inappropriate was also like that was pretty awesome i hated and i hated it the first time i hated the second time the scene where he has the baby legs i know Mm. it's like a famous scene but and like people love that scene, but I don't think it's funny. I agree. That's all. I don't like seeing the little baby butt. I don't think it's funny. It's also this is the perfect example of this film's sense of humor, which is that he does the basic instinct thing where he crosses his legs and uncrosses it, and it's clear that's what he's doing. And then T.J. Miller says basic instinct, and like that's the joke. They're not commenting about it. They just make an illusion and then they say, that's an illusion. (laughs) You know? And I feel like it's that over and over again. Mm. Or like he's like, if you had an arrow, you'd be Hawkeye. (laughs) Like it's not a joke. (laughs) Hawkeye is just another person who has an arrow. 
That's what this whole movie is. That was a very good joke in the style of Deadpool. I don't know if that's, that's from... a joke he makes. Oh, okay, in this I was movie. gonna say that's that was good. But I forgot that he made that, but that's. Good. I also don't like how much they reuse jokes from the first movie. Mm. This movie treats the first movie with maybe an unearned reverence. <laughs> I mean, oh wait, but I did love the audition montage. Mm-hmm. Maybe it just good. hits home, but mm-hmm. uh, those ones are always so good. That's really funny to me. Yeah. The montages or just like, you know, that's such a fun like improv scene too. You're at an audition and you're doing a bad job, but people still like, you know, like it just is such a funny scene and it's great. I love that whole team of people. Mm. I really like that part of the movie. Yeah. The X-Force. Yeah. I love them. Like the (laughs) G-Force. The (laughs) G-Force. The G-Force are more like. Can we please do all the G-Force movies? Is there more than one? How many G-Force movies are there? (laughs) Yeah, please. Let's do it. There's less CGI in that, I'm sure, (laughs) than in this. Okay, back to the lab. Fox paid the writers themselves to be on set every day after Ryan Reynolds did it out of his own pocket in the first movie. They also kept rewriting it all the way up until its release, which I remember was a point of controversy when this movie came out. Criticism that Deadpool is a lot funnier when he has the mask on Mm -hmm. because all of that stuff was like rewritten in post Uh since you don't see his mouth moving Uh and that people thought he was like a very different character when he was not wearing the mask maybe he feels most free with the mask on honestly like who could watch this movie enough times to notice the difference <laughs> yeah i truly truly <laughs> like, who, who could possibly do that to themselves i'm sorry for you <laughs> um have either of you heard the term fridging yeah this is a big comics thing but no. it's a, a term that was created by feminist comic book fans in the 90s it refers to when a writer kills a female character in order to make a male character feel something. Mm-hmm. It's all over comics. It's all over superhero movies, even in the best of them, The Dark Knight. The term itself was actually coined by the incredible writer Gail Simone, whose Wonder Woman runs are unbelievable. Mm-hmm. This film got a ton of criticism for fridging Vanessa right out of the gate, doing the same thing to Cable's family, where mm-hmm. they just have... You know, a wife and daughter whose purpose was to get killed so he can have an emotion. When asked about it, one of the writers, Rhett Reese, said, Maybe that's a sexist thing. I don't know. Maybe some women will have an issue with that. I don't know. It didn't even really occur to us. End quote. (laughs) That's the problem. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) It didn't occur to you. I was sad. I was sad that she died. Yeah. I really liked her in the first movie. I wish she was in this one more. Also, like, there wasn't just, there was, like, not a lot of women until Zazie comes back. Mm-hmm. What's her character's name? Domino. Domino. And the I was great like, Zazie When she came in, I was like, finally. Mm-hmm. Like, this movie was lacking some, like, hotness, some, like, fierce power, you know? Mm-hmm. It just needed it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was grateful for her presence. Because I miss Vanessa. It'd be really cool if they were in a movie together. Yeah. But they weren't. <laughs> I guess while we're on the topic, I should mention that this film does not pass the Bechdel test. Despite having such an easy open goal because it has two female characters in a relationship. <laughs> in Negasonic Teenage Warhead and They say no words Yukio. to each other, actually. They really. do talk to each other four uh, times. Every single time, just about Deadpool. Yeah. 
They never talk about anything that's not a man. And none of the other female characters talk to each other in this movie. Unbelievable. I'm pissed about Marina Baccarin. Yeah, this. we should be. Because, okay, so and, and up until you said this, I'd been like, no, this was a pretty good movie, like, whatever. But she's a great actress. She's mm-hmm. a good character in the first movie who doesn't have enough to do, who could mm-hmm. have been given a lot more to do in this movie. And is, she sat yeah, on a yeah. couch. She sat on a couch. <laughs> the whole time. What a load of BS. Yeah. yeah. Like, now I'm thinking about that that possible movie mm-hmm. where um Vanessa becomes a superhero. Yeah. And then maybe they'd still have Domino in there and they did a whole team with her. Mm-hmm. That would be cool. I would like that more. Yeah, that's the I mean that is I think my biggest criticism of this movie in terms of like the storytelling and always has been because I think she's so cool in the first half of the first movie and they really make her to be like female Deadpool. Like the thing is that they are like two sides of the same coin and that's why they work so well together. And then in the end of the first movie, she just turns into like a damsel in distress. And then in this movie, they immediately kill her. And even before that, she's just like hot woman to be kissed. Disappointing. Yeah, truly. Yeah, I was very sad when she died. Just very disappointed. Also, yeah, it's making me angry now. So we should move on. That okay. being said, <laughs> if you are making Deadpool 3 and you do, you've pissed off Marina background so much and you do need a hot woman to be kissed, I volunteer as tribute. <laughs> Thank you, Emmett. The Academy will consider that. Very bold of you, Emmett. Very brave. That's what it needed. As we mentioned, this movie came out three weeks after Avengers Infinity War. The marketing for this movie really played up the Josh Brolin connection. When asked if he preferred playing Thanos or Cable more, this is a quote from Josh Brolin. The more I watched Avengers, the more I realized Thanos is a real guy. This is not a big purple guy. This is a guy with insides and cells and feelings. Then it became fun. To me, it was like going to do 1970s black box theater in New York. You totally resort to your imagination. Deadpool was hard. Even though it was funny, it was harder. That was more of a business transaction. It was more, we need to make this like this, which I didn't feel that way with Avengers. With those directors, they would constantly go back to reference Scarface or Dog Day Afternoon. They knew what to throw out there to bring it back into something that expired me. Wow. (laughs) Big purple man with big purple insides. (laughs) He's just got a big purpley old heart. (laughs) It's very sweet. Yeah. As opposed to the business transaction (laughs) of this movie. So as opposed to the black box theater that is Avengers Infinity War. If Josh Brolin looked like, just looked like Thanos, like that's what he looked like. And he was doing black box theater in New York. Like he was just a theater artist, but he happened to be a really large purple man. But people respected him as an artist because, you know, he could step outside of that big purple man. He probably wouldn't have killed all those people. That's probably (laughs) true. true. He probably could have just done, like, an All My Sons in a black box theater. I genuinely (laughs) think that him in that adventure movie is not that far off from what him doing black box theater would be like. I could talk about Infinity War all day. But, like, the only person that movie makes time to see, like, act is him as Thanos. Sure. Like, he gets all of, like, the crazy monologue and acting moments. He also, in both of these movies, is a supervillain 
motivated by climate change, which has been a real theme mm. these past few years. Oh, true. Don't you don't see the heroes <laughs> too often going out to bat for care. climate change? Always the supervillains who have taken the wrong path to try yeah, and fix it but you know these movies are still produced by our old friends over at fox so <laughs> there might be reasons for that <laughs> brianna hildebrand who is bisexual in real life mm-hmm. is in the first queer relationship ever depicted in a movie based on a marvel comic in this movie which seems wild that yeah it took that long absolutely and i feel like the only reason it happened is because they knew this movie wasn't going to come out in china because China barred the first one, uh, and this is the big thing, if you guys don't know this, is that China is the biggest movie-watching audience in the world. It became that the last decade, um, so a lot of movies cater to China in their content, and China will not include any queer content in their films. Uh, they'll remove it. That's why anytime we get queer content in these movies, it's like very short and easy to be taken out like the kiss mm-hmm. at the end of rise of skywalker or lefou's one line in beauty and the beast uh it's so these movies can still come out in china and make a ton of money and i feel like this one was allowed to have it because they just refused to show the first one in china so they were like we can do whatever but even still it's pretty br- it's like still pretty brief if they'd wanted to they could have yeah not there's obvious. nothing for- in it at all it's not obvious besides if actually says that you know this is my girlfriend but I feel like a 40-year-old clueless Karen would be like, they're just close friends. Well, to that point... Because there's no proof. (laughs) Brianna only agreed to do it because uh, if it was not going to be a big deal. She said, like, you can't market this. That can't be the point of my character. Like, Mm. I would love to do it. Don't worry, they weren't going to do that. (laughs) They weren't going to make it the point of her character, but I'm glad that she still said that. That's the other thing about the Vanessa thing is... Tell me if this is unfair, because I recognize it might be. But it does feel like maybe Ryan Reynolds just didn't want to share the spotlight. I feel like that's fair. Like, maybe he didn't want to be in a two-hander, and he was like, no, I want it to all be about me. And then they killed her. I mean, he wrote this movie. Damn. That's brutal. That's, I don't know. That's icy, dude. Mm. Okay. Rob Delaney, uh, who plays Peter. Do we all like Peter? Love Peter. Stan Peter. Peter. He's yeah. a queen. He's very good. He's from the most known from the British show Catastrophe. He is a real-ass dude. He's a hardcore democratic socialist. Oh, hell yeah. He's hell always yeah. popping up on Chapo, Trap House, and Vice, <laughs> writing articles, slamming Brexit. Hell yeah. <laughs> He's like, and, and very funny and just a lovely guy. His two-year-old son died of a brain tumor oh while they God. were making no. this movie. No, which was like so very horrible public sad traumatic mm-hmm. event that he went through yeah our condolences yeah to that uh but he he has some really great writing that's documenting how he like dealt with that and he was a very good in this movie yeah yeah and a bigger part in hobbs and shaw with david leach so mm-hmm. tj miller mm-hmm. who plays weasel mm-hmm. <laughs> is his name <laughs> the bar hand uh we mentioned this last week so in late 2017, mm-hmm. he had allegations that were made through his college in 2001 resurface, which were that he had become violent during sex with his college girlfriend. Yeah. These were things that had been like taken to the college and processed and then were resurfaced after he was kind of already famous. 
he also at the same time assaulted an Uber driver over a disagreement about Donald Trump and had a report from all his co-stars on Silicon Valley that he had been bullying them throughout the process. He was also caught sending transphobic emails to a film critic. Tangentially, when the first movie came out, I was living in Chicago and had a bunch of friends in the improv scene there, which he had come out of. Hmm. And so a lot of my friends knew him and had worked with him personally and talked a lot about him. And everyone said that he was just like a complete jerk. Oh, that he is. I mean, he's very funny. I think he's great in the first one. And I think he's funny in the brief amount he's in this. But like from all accounts, just a horrible dude. Dang. After all of that stuff came out at once, there was a big public outcry for him to be either replaced and reshot or cut out of the film altogether which they didn't do but i do think his stuff is significantly edited down i was gonna say Mm. he's not in it very much i feel like they might have cut him out a good bit i would hope they did something why did i just sound like a robot yeah they said it was like too late to do any of the other measures but i think that they did cut him down a lot in april 2018 Mm -hmm. right before this movie came out uh he was arrested for calling in a false bomb threat what on an hell? Amtrak train in New York. <laughs> so this My is like God. one of the most high-profile cases ever of like just a completely self-destructive man. Just like why? Damn. Just, just like, why? For f- what? What are you doing on like, a Friday? As a joke, You're just like oh my gosh. Calling in a false That's bomb. That's absolutely absurd. Yeah, uh, he's gonna make a comeback and put it in a stand-up routine at some point. So. Oh my God. Uh, his hearing for. The bomb threat has still not happened, mm-hmm. but he was replaced from the film How to Train Your Dragon 3. Good. And he has not filmed anything since. Bye-bye. Joy S.J. Harris died filming a motorcycle stunt for this movie on August 14th, 2017. Damn. Motorcycle stunt? She was playing domino on a motorcycle oh my gosh. in the middle act of this movie. Oh, I, f- I was trying to think... Was that in the movie? Was Domino riding a motorcycle? For like one shot. It's like very brief. (sighs) That's horrible. She was a talented vehicle enthusiast who had never worked as a stunt person before. It was her first time ever working on a stunt person. The person who was supposed to do the stunt was the veteran stunt woman, Melissa Stubbs, who was there on set to do it. Uh, But they chose Harris because she was black and Melissa was white. So Harris was the same race as the character of Domino, who was four. She was also not wearing a helmet because Domino wasn't wearing one during the scene. And the crew, quote, didn't have time to get one fitted for her under her wig. Uh, It was widely criticized by the stunt community after it happened. Everyone who looked at it said that she was not qualified to do the stunt that she had been asked to do. Filming was shut down for... Two days following this. That's it? And then resumed. That's crazy. It also came out that they were supposed to only be filming 12 hours and had been filming 16 hours a day, which led to everyone just not bringing their A game. This same year it came out, a stunt performer was killed making The Walking Dead on television, the combination of which led to widespread calls for stunt reform, which have been largely unanswered. That's crazy. Yeah. Just seems like just so avoidable, which is what's really sad. Yeah, at every point of 
Yeah. At every point there. Like there are like eight things that could have happened mm-hmm. to avoid that happening and all of them went wrong. Well. Yeah. Yeah, so rest in power. I don't know how much we really have to say about this. The first time one of these movies has actually literally killed someone. Certainly those first two Brian Singer movies destroyed a lot of young men's lives. But the first time someone has actually been murdered to make one of these movies, uh, the film is dedicated to her. I mean, I would just say if you're ever ever in a position to be doing any sort of stunt or any sort of combat thing, if you're not qualified to do it, like please don't let anybody pressure you into doing it. Mm-hmm. And if you're ever in a position to pressure anybody into doing a combat thing, don't do that. Mm-hmm. Like, Okay. Going to run through these last ones because mm-hmm. <laughs> getting on up there. Uh, a post credit scene of Deadpool killing baby Hitler was cut following poor reception in the test screenings, <laughs> which was replaced by the Green Lantern bit. <laughs> there was a director's cut that was 15 minutes longer, which uh-huh. only screened once at Comic-Con. It uh-huh. has never been seen again. Uh, this film was re-released in December of that same year, entitled Once Upon a Deadpool, which was a PG-13 recut that was an attempt to see if Deadpool would work within the MCU mm-hmm. because of the Disney-Fox merger. They filmed a new framing device, which was Deadpool telling the story of this movie to uh, captive Fred Savage, who is the kid in The Princess Bride. Ryan Reynolds only agreed to do it because he had pushed so hard for the R rating if the proceeds would go to charity. Uh, it was a critical and commercial failure, grossing $51 million of this film's $785 million gross. Damn. I don't know if anyone has ever seen it or seen anything from the PG-13 version. No. I haven't either. Did they reshoot stuff for it, or did they just cut, like, they just shot cut out swears? that framing device bit, but everything else was just cut and altered in some way to make Weird. it PG-13. Is How much shorter is it, do you know? I don't know. It's right only here. 10 minutes long. <laughs> right? It's just the 10 new minutes they shot. I'm just thinking about all of the blank spots in dialogue. Yeah. Or like, how do you handle that? When important dialogue is delivered with a bunch of swear words peppered in with it. Mm-hmm. So they shot more X-Force stuff for the trailers, which was, I guess, just all for the bit that they were really marketed this thing, that the X-Force was going to be really cool, and then they all died. Oh, okay. something I forgot to mention earlier is that Brad Pitt really wanted to play Cable, but couldn't because he was shooting Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, well. So that's why he agreed to do the cameo in this for free. I think he took the better career move. Yeah, he's for good sure. At, he's good in Once Upon a Time. Any thoughts on what Brad Pitt would have brought to Cable? He would have been better. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, and I don't dislike Josh Brolin. Like, I'm not here to criticize him. I think he's a really good actor. But I think he's better for a character like Thanos, who is so serious. Mm-hmm. And Cable, I mean, he's so tragic. He needs to have some sort of sense of humor about it. Like, <laughs> otherwise, it's just like, what is this? This guy's so boring on screen. So the official plans for this franchise was that they were going to shoot X-Force, mm-hmm. which was going to be the movie after this. Mm-hmm. There's going to be Deadpool leading a team. And then they were going to shoot Deadpool 3. Holy hell. Uh, Drew Goddard, who is the man who wrote Cabin in the Woods and mm-hmm. The Martian, mm-hmm. was set to write and direct the X-Force movie. Uh, he was going to start working on it after he finished Bad Times at the El Royale, uh, which I saw very boring, in my opinion. But all of that was just shelved after the Disney acquisition. That's okay. 
Deadpool is kind of the only character because of his fourth wall breaking that could exist in the new Marvel Cinematic Universe where they'll be reintroducing the X-Men and all of these things. Mm -hmm. Uh, In November 2020, it was announced that Marvel Studios and Reynolds had chosen the Molyneux sisters, Wendy and Lizzie, of Bob's Burgers fame to write the third Deadpool that would be introducing it into the MCU. What? Which is a pretty interesting choice for me. Obviously, picking two women for something that's such like a male power fantasy and so macho these movies Mm -hmm. and also i like bob's burgers a lot and i feel like it's comedy doesn't punch down which is what i think deadpool does a lot so it's interesting to think about that maybe they're switching it up they also have the wordiest humor in those in that show and Mm. like they pull it off really well it's like still funny but like very long well-constructed jokes which i feel like if Ryan Reynolds can pull it off, it could be really fun. I feel like there's no time for that in the Deadpool movies. That's I feel fair. like he'd be, he'd be like trying to kill someone and then the joke would be too long and it just wouldn't work. Mm. I would also like to see Emmett playing a woman <laughs> in Deadpool too, because that's what he said he would do. So let's bring him on. Well, that's how they're going to pass the Academy's new diversity standards. Yeah. They'll get a man. Putting Emmett in a dress <laughs> saying it's diversity. Yeah. Uh, I live by the Scarlett Johansson School of Acting. I can play anyone. Well, the Academy is a fan of that, so. Anything. I could play a tree, a table, even. So your pitch for Deadpool 3 is Scarlett Johansson joining the team. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, okay, so Deadpool and Black Widow. My dream movie Uh of Deadpool. Russell's grown up now. He Mm. meets this girl. Her name is Laura. Then it's not a movie about Deadpool. It's a movie about (laughs) Russell and Laura. (laughs) And Deadpool's like their fun uncle that like pops in everyone now and then because like that's all we really need to see from him. Was it still called Deadpool 3? Yes. (laughs) It is. (laughs) All right. That's the tea, sis. That's all I got on this movie. Nice. Fantastic. I loved it. I'm no longer thirsty. (laughs) Emma, should we step into the continuity Uh, corner? Yeah, sure. Let's do it. Okay. So this movie takes place in 2018. Yes. Right? And... I, I think I have deduced that because the first movie takes place over two years, oh. which is the only one of these movies that does because there's an entire year in their relationship that passes. And then there's another entire year where he's killing people and stalking her. And the writers have said that this movie takes place almost immediately after the first one. So I think that we could maybe assume that the start of the first movie is 2016 mm. when him and Vanessa meet. It ends in 2018 mm-hmm. with them back together, and that is where all of this movie takes place. Okay. Is that a fair? Yeah, sure. That's my Makes assumption sense. on but what's this, going this on. This movie takes place in, like, what, a day? A couple a couple of days? <laughs> yeah, not long. <laughs> not long, right? Uh-huh. I mean, he goes to prison, but neither of them serve a full sentence. They break out, so... I yeah. don't know, maybe a, maybe a week or so. Other than 20... So this is the closest to 2023 that we've been 2023 being the magic date when all the, oh, right. the timeline is reset and things are good. The only person that we see is Colossus that we've already talked about. Yukio. What about Yukio? Is all the Wolverine stuff erased? Yeah, he remembers it, but it is erased. I think we only see appearances by m- mutants who are not in this timeline, including Juggernaut and Yukio, mm-hmm. who... 
I mean, she's nice here, but she's she's not the main character she was in The Wolverine, which yeah. is so good. Uh, what about that one scene where they're all in that room? Yeah, that's what we got to talk about. <laughs> that feels like a spoof thing. That feels like a moment well, yeah. from Spaceballs. Like, that doesn't even feel like what this movie is doing. I don't know. Well, then why? Like, well, why? <laughs> yeah, because the thing is, so if this strange. movie is in 2018, then that's five years before their... Patrick Stewart and Kelsey Grammer. Mm -hmm. It's that they look like the decades cast, and then in five years they grow up to be that cast. It also looked like the 90s because they had the Nirvana poster in the background. It was uh, that part was filmed by Simon Kinberg on the set of Dark Phoenix, which was filming simultaneously with this movie. So that just doesn't make any sense at all. That, like, (laughs) timeline wise, doesn't line up. Nope. Yeah, I don't know what we. I don't. I think we could talk about it all day and not have an answer That's for it. That's why they slowly close the door. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> cable allows anything to have happened in timeline and be okay. Basically, like cable is one of those game breaking things where it's just like you. Okay, so you've got cable now. So cable can time travel and like with this really weird mechanic where he can be basically anywhere at once and have multiple versions of himself any problem you had in the timeline is all is like resolved before it starts and did you get a body count for this well i did not count them myself <laughs> uh, stopped counting it within i a stopped minute counting of the movie early start. on because i was like if i count bodies i'm not gonna enjoy this movie which i might say is probably part of why i didn't enjoy logan so much is because mm. i had my nose in the mm. book a lot of the time but i decided not to do that for this one and i instead looked up the body count one says 65 and it lists every single death in the movie another says 125 another source says 125 why do i believe 125 is true i mean it seems like it's a lot of people and it's certainly like pretty graphic and probably as graphic as logan it's just like not taken as seriously yeah i just pretty upsetting i hate I hate watching people get beat up. Like mm-hmm. it's really, really hard. This movie is just too much. <laughs> too much laffy taffy body. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. too much of that. Mm-hmm. I hate looking at that. And yeah. he's just splayed out everywhere every time. Looking all rubbery and gross. And I hate mm-hmm. it. <laughs> it's like Harry's arm. <laughs> yeah, it's horrible. Yeah, it's horrible. I think the stylization works a little bit better in this than the first one. Mm-hmm. At least in terms that it's looks a little cooler and a little less off-putting. The first one is maybe also going going at something a little more than this mm-hmm. one. My close my eyes count was nine for the first movie, and it was six for this one. So Wow. Maybe just a little less brutal, but still brutal nonetheless. Yeah. So. Why cigarette? <laughs> oh, I, can I... I'm sorry, please. Right, no, please, go, go. Okay, so the, the one cigarette. joke that I think really did not age well in this is the joke that... Deadpool makes where he's like, maybe we'll have a boy, maybe we'll have a girl. It'll definitely be one or the other, which yeah did not. not. And I was, and when I saw that, I was like, oh, they probably didn't think that was bad in 2018. But then later in the movie, he talks about something being gender neutral. So I was like, they knew, they knew back then, and they still made the joke. Why cigarette? (laughs) Dewey slopes. Do you remember when he says the words Dewey slopes? Is he talking about Cool Runnings? I don't know. It could be code word. I think we need to get. I think we need to get on the deep truth of this. Mm-hmm. When he goes through the car window, 
it's very exciting. And then later yeah. in the movie, he does it again. It's also exciting when he does it the second <laughs> time. <laughs> I don't, How, oh, when he comes through the back yeah, of the taxi. Yeah, yeah. How much, like, he has to pay for the repairs to that taxi because he I'm has sure. made some ridiculous damage. Well, it also seems like Dovinder is just his taxi. Like, yes, just which his I love. personal it's valet. Very sweet. Yeah, I love Karen Sony. Yeah, I love him. He's great. Who do we like in this movie? Not picking our favorites. Just like who do we think does well in this movie? Karen Sony, obviously Karen playing Dopender, yeah. good in the first one. Has a little bit more to do in this one. Yeah, Very I love funny. it. Very good. Yeah, he's Very always wholesome. he's just so consistent. So funny. Mm-hmm. Really loves Ozzy. So good. She's yeah. killer. Everyone watch Atlanta if you had it. So yeah. incredible. She is so good on that. Yeah, she's just great. I think she should be in more superhero movies. I think she's a good superhero. I also love her superpower. I wrote down in my notes that um, having bad luck is probably my superpower. So, <laughs> so we are similar in that way. <laughs> that sequence is so cool. And maybe like the only original idea this film has. That like two minute sequence where cool. she just is like so lucky that nothing can harm her. And I feel like they also like, ex- like they like really do a bunch of different things with that. Which most of the ideas in this are like a little one note. I was thinking about watching that sequence, how good luck for her means terrible luck for a lot of for other people. people. Yeah, <laughs> like most of the people on that street are dead. <laughs> yep. Which is why I think the 125 is more true. Because, yeah, that's like, probably... So many just car wrecks, so many mm, demolished. She mm. drives a truck through a whole building. <laughs> I forgot it's about so that. Awesome. <laughs> that really does feel like a Fast and the Furious moment, uh-huh. like you said. I really enjoyed the music in this movie. I just think I think that is something Deadpool does well. I love all the song choices for mm. the most part, um, except for like the original ones <laughs> that Ugh. are written for the movie. Those are horrible. But like nine to five, yeah. Um, there were a lot more, but I can't remember. But they were also good. Like they're all the timing. You know when they're about to come in. Mm-hmm. Like it's just a classic moment in the Deadpool series when like something happens, something big happens. And yeah. There's a quiet moment, and you just hear the the start of a truly like classic song this is perfect the acdc song while they're jumping out the plane Mm. like i love the use of music i really do and i think um guardians of the galaxy does it a lot too which Mm. i also enjoy about that those films like just like songs that you love songs that you jam to yeah that bring you joy in the time of watching deadpool (laughs) yeah the nine to five drop is awesome both times I've seen it, the Take On Me acoustic version yeah, kind of so does it for me. It's so good. Like, kind of gets me in the feels a little bit. Yeah. I will say I cannot stand the dubstep. Like, <laughs> the that's, dubstep that's joke a joke is I so cannot dumb, hang though. with. It's so dumb because dubstep... Okay, I might... No, you know what? Can you <laughs> lean it. into the microphone? <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Let me just lay it on y'all, okay? Dubstep was dead by 2018. It was. Yeah. Like, I don't know why they're making all these jokes about it. Talk about punching down. Deadpool is <laughs> deceased and in the grave, and they're, like, coming across and peeing on it and throwing bottles at night. That's one of the ones where we're, like, you know, we're saying Deadpool is making jokes that they think people in 2018, like, mm-hmm. they're like, what do what do poor people joke about these days? What do poor people enjoy these days? Oh, dubstep. Yes, dubstep. Let's put that in the movie. Let's make a joke. Everybody loves dubstep. Poor people love dubstep. Uh, what so did they, they put it in Frozen. The movie. Let's talk about Frozen. That was a good joke. It is a very similar tune. Yeah. Papa, can you hear me? That's maybe the best joke in the movie. It's pretty good. It is very similar. 
Anyone else we think is good in this movie? Oh, the kid. The kid. Oh, yeah, Julian Dennison. Kill. Yeah, very good. Love him. And the the evil, gross principal guy. He doesn't mm. have a lot to do, but that guy's always... He's always creepy and awesome. Mm. You know? He's just a weird little <laughs> creepy guy. Weird little rat man. <laughs> I have a little surprise for both of you. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Back by popular demand. Oh, no. It's the return of Wade's quiz. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Today, we are going to play a little game I like to call Deadpool or Shakespeare. Uh-oh. Okay. God. I'm going to read ten quotes, some of which will be from the graphic novel Much Ado About Deadpool, okay. written by the great Ian Desher, who also writes the Star Wars, well, the William Shakespeare Star Wars oh. novels. I was going to say, wasn't it written by William Shakespeare? no no it was written written by another i I would also highly recommend this graphic novel i really enjoyed reading it it's really the avengers end game of shakespeare the quotes will either be from much to do about deadpool or they will be from william shakespeare's timeless classic timon of athens hey where's the uh pumbaa of athens (laughs) okay and you guys can answer where is the Pumbaa of Athens? You're not, not going to answer? I don't know. We'll figure it out, Emmett. Okay. When Deadpool 3 comes out, we'll play that. Pumbaa, you sat on the remote. Sorry, I thought it was a brownie. <laughs> That's from Lion King when it happens in the beginning. Oh, we gotta do that. And uh, the winner gets an ice cream cone. Really? Uh, yeah. From where? The winner's choice. Hmm. <laughs> All right, you ready? We're starting with an easy one, so I hope you guys get this one. No noble man am I, but like thou dost, confuse me with some sprite like Spider-Man. That's a hard one. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Laura? I was waiting for you to call. (laughs) Yes, Laura? (laughs) The Deadpool Shakespeare. Evan? Much ado about Deadpool. Oh, okay. I forgot the name. <laughs> you don't have to. You, you, well, it's Deadpool or Shakespeare. So okay. you just pick if it's Deadpool or Shakespeare. You are both correct. Woohoo! <laughs> that is indeed Deadpool. His days and times are past. I love and honor him, but must not break my back to heal his finger. <laughs> yes, Laura? Timon and Pumbaa. I think it's Deadpool. I have no idea now. It's Shakespeare. Yeah, yeah. That's one point for Laura. Thou finally dost speak my language, sir, for vengeance is a word I know and love. <laughs> Emmett? Shakespeare. Laura? Deadpool. It's Deadpool. Oh, baby. Here got- comes that ice cream cone. Three on the board for Laura right now. We're still early on. It's anyone's game. We got early seven on? more. Okay, seven more. Ten questions. I had the like conception in my eyes, and at that instant, like a babe, sprung up. I'm so scared to be wrong. (laughs) I have no idea. Can you read it one more time? I had the like conception in my eyes, and at that instant, like a babe, sprung up. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I'm just going to say Deadpool. Emmett? Deadpool. It's only Shakespeare. Oh, no. No points. No points for that one. That's okay. That old dirty dog, Shakespeare. He is. He is. I have retired me to a wasteful cock 
and set mine eyes at flow. <laughs> yes? Shakespeare. Evan? Deadpool. It's Shakespeare. Halfway through the game, still anyone's game. Five more to go. A fine idea, indeed. I'll use the sword. With blood, not ink, the message is all right. Deadpool. Laura? Deadpool. It's Deadpool. A point for both. Till I be gentle, stay thou for thy good morrow, when thou art mine dog, and these knives honest. <laughs> yes? Shakespeare. Emmett? Shakespeare. It's Shakespeare. Yee doggy. Another win for both. Although this place unknown doth have its charm, I'll find my way back to my home anon. Deadpool. Deadpool. That's right. I wonder men dare trust themselves with men. I think they should invite them without knives. Shakespeare. Shakespeare. It's Shakespeare. Uh, Real comeback here. Last one. Why speaks my lord of quarrels that resolve? Hast thou lost thy resolve? Shall not we reign? What are the points? <laughs> well, the current score is eight, Laura, five, Emmett. Okay, so it doesn't matter. Shakespeare. Shakespeare. It's Deadpool. Dang! No points for anyone. The winner is Laura with eight points Woo-hoo. to Emmett's five. Congratulations. Cone for mama. Congratulations, Laura. I'm so excited. Thank you both for playing Wade's quiz. Thank you, Wade, for your quiz. Thank you for the quiz, yeah. Who do we think the protagonist of this movie is? And what do they want? Hmm. <laughs> Laura, thoughts? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Are my thoughts? I have no idea. Um, perhaps... Any clues as to who the protagonist could be? I just don't think Deadpool is capable of being a protagonist. So, <laughs> um, I think it might be Russ. I think it's Cable. Oh, Interesting. Could be. I don't actually think it's Cable. I think it's Deadpool. But I <laughs> I want it to be Cable so it doesn't have to be Deadpool. I mean, Deadpool wants to feel happy again. <laughs> right? He wants to fill that hole. He wants to die. I feel like... Doesn't he? Yeah. I feel like it's kind of like... That's his goal. You were saying how much it's like Logan. Yeah. I feel like that's like the Logan thing. At the beginning, he wants to die. He just wants to die. And then he... Wants to help the kid. Finds a reason for living. And then he wants to die again at the end. I don't know if Logan wants to die again at the end. I think he just like accepts it. But Deadpool and the kid don't really have the personal connection that Wolverine and Laura have. Yeah, that's true. Like they don't bond like that. I think it is Deadpool. I don't like I think he wants to be with Vanessa. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I I honestly think that these two movies are like. The most straightforward in terms mm. of protagonist desire, for sure, of almost any Oops. of the series. <laughs> Which no, no, no. I mean, I think it could be Russ. He does make a choice at the end. Yeah, like he does make a. Him and Cable make bigger changes at the end than it feels like Deadpool does. Yeah, because Cable goes back and like changes things and like saves Deadpool's mm-hmm. ass. And- yeah, but Deadpool, I, does he make the decision to leave? the spirit world with Vanessa or does he get yanked out? He gets yanked time? out. Yeah, so it's not as much of an active choice. Yeah, no. Yeah. He like, I think he comes to a little bit of peace about it but he isn't like... Yeah. Yeah, but I, I feel mean, like... he in, sacrifices himself but that's not as much of a change because he already wanted to die. 
But that is fair. He just sacrificed himself for the kid, which yeah. is like out of character. There's a clear arc in that sense of at the beginning where he's like not going to respect anyone and he's just going to like make jokes about the kid situation to the end where he's like willing to die for him. That's an arc. I don't yeah. know. Laura, who is your MVP OTD? Your most valuable player in this movie other than Deadpool. I know I've talked about him a lot, but I'm such a big fan. <laughs> um, so my MVP is Julian as Russ slash Iron Fist. I just think he's incredible. I just think like his banter, his chemistry, like with, I mean, he's just one of those actors. I think that he just can have chemistry and can have back and forth with pretty much anyone. Like he's so good at his little, um, improv and his, and his speech, you know, pattern that he does <laughs> like his i don't know he's just so great and he he does act similar to how he acts in the other movie i've seen seen him in but it's just stellar it just works every time i think he's great i think he's one of the best parts about this movie easily i read that ryan reynolds watched hunt for the wilder people and then wrote that part for him well that's why i said earlier i was like maybe that's why they wanted him for it but if he mm. wrote it for it then that yeah. makes sense he said he never even considered anyone else yeah. he was just like oh i want to make that movie with that kid. Yeah, he's awesome. Emma, who's your MVP OTD? I'm gonna have to go Zazzy Beats. Is that her? Is that her name? Uh-huh. That's her real. That's, that's her, her real, birth name. That, Incredible. Wow, she's German. Really cool. That's awesome. She's she's really good in this. I think, like you said, her sequence is really cool. Where you get to see her power. Um, she's a fun character and the only member of the X team or the X Force. Space Force X team to survive. I don't <laughs> remember even now what it's called. She's she's awesome. I wish she was in more of it and like more significant as a character rather than just as like an action figure. But yeah, she's a cool action figure. I agree. She would have been mine. I guess then I will go with Karen Sony as Dopender. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think he's a lot of fun in this movie. He's so wholesome. His final mm-hmm. moment is pretty good too. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I hope that I would love to see him in other stuff. Like, I think he's so funny in this. He pops up in Ghostbusters 2016. Like, I feel like he did a couple, like, one hmm. one scenes in a bunch of comedy films kind of around this time, but hasn't hmm. been in much since. I want to see him in more. Yeah. He should have his own movie by now. Yeah, he really should. His own TV show. Uh, Laura, any final thoughts on this movie? <laughs> My final thoughts. Um, Here's a note that I didn't get to share. I don't, this is a direct quote from my notes, I don't like his wiggly fire fingers. <laughs> I love uh, Fire Fist, I love Russ, I love his character. When he turned his fists into fire, his fingers were left out and they were these little wiggly, wobbly things and they made me quite uncomfortable. Just like he's Fire Fist, I wish his hands would stay in a fist because when you saw his fingers, they were scary. And wiggly. Those are my final thoughts. <laughs> Emmett, final thoughts? I wish we got more fighting from Negasonic Teenage mm. Mutant Warhead. I lady. agree. Incredible. She's awesome. And She's Yukio could have. And Yukio could have fought more too uh-huh. at the same time. She also like is such a style icon in the oh first movie God. and ha- is only really wearing the X-Men suit in this movie. And I was like, Oof. no, she's got that one cool jacket that she wears in this. Yeah. Wade? Oh, I, I wrote down my favorite joke of this is when Deadpool has the chart of the plan in the second act. And, uh, <laughs> and he says, if everything goes right, there's not going to be a third act. <laughs> he points to that thing. <laughs> yeah, I think this movie is, like Emmett said, an interesting cultural document. 
I also think it is completely worthless. Like, I just feel no <laughs> value is possibly... Like, I don't understand how people could take value from this movie. Or certainly, like, why whatever things they enjoy wouldn't be better than the things that they're cribbed from. The first time I watched this movie... Uh, this was the movie that made me stop watching superhero movies. Like, not just the X-Men movies, but all superhero Damn. movies. I was like, I'll watch the MCU movies because they have proven to me that they're going to make a high-quality thing with characters I enjoy. And I will watch some DC movies at my discretion because I grew up loving those characters. But, like, this is the movie where I didn't go see Venom, Morbius... Like all these other weird things that we've gotten, Dark Phoenix, the new mutants. Mm -hmm. It was because after seeing this movie, I was like, I actually don't like this genre. Yeah. <laughs> Fair. Like, Same. I think the, the genre is so dumb. And when you see the movies that are just like the tenets of the superhero movie genre, as we talked about on the original X-Men movie, which these two Deadpool movies are, they're just like... You know, they're walking through the motions of what a superhero movie is, which I feel like a lot of movies that are adapted from comic books these days don't. Right. They do other interesting yeah. stuff with them. Yeah. And even I'm not even saying that they're always more successful, but they normally aren't about like people who suffer a tragic death at the beginning and then have to rise to the occasion to get past it and then have to put a team together and then have to stop a thing in a big building with a big fight and a device and stuff, you know? Laura, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. It was great fun. It was great to have you on. Woohoo! Uh, is there anything you're working on? Any plugs you have anywhere the people can find you? Sure. Um, they can follow my Instagram, Laura Nicole Bennett. They can follow my makeup account, Laura Nicole Makeup. And they can listen to a most recent summer bop of an album by me and Wade Danger featuring Emmett Temple. Um, and that is linked in my Instagram bio at Wade Danger Music Bandcamp.com. So go listen to that because wow. it's good. And thank you, everyone, for one more time for, for my fans out there. Light bulb. <laughs> <laughs> oh incredible oh my God. we are going to be back next week with the penultimate film in this series Dark Phoenix are you stoked to watch something you haven't seen before I am excited and that's right your ears did not deceive you that movie is called Dark Phoenix it's not called X-Men Dark Phoenix that is not a movie that exists it's called Dark Phoenix because they wanted it to be a standalone adventure for people to come in a standalone adventure that is also a part of the decade's quintuplegy. <laughs> oh, okay. Love you guys. Bye. Bye. Stay frosted. Cinema Bums is a production of DKG Podcasts. It is created and produced by Emma Temple and me, Wade Lawrence Holloman. I also edit and mix the podcast. Our theme music is by Zane Holloman, who you can find on Bandcamp, and our show art is by Autumn Beckner. Our social media is managed by Laura Bennett. If you like what you hear, please tell all your friends and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, the two best ways to spread the word about our work. You can also follow us on Instagram at cinemabums or email us at cinemabumspod at gmail.com. Don't flake on us. We'll be back next week. 